Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us. This is a classic Mr. Beacon episode. We are talking to the folks at Navagene. They're a Russian indoor location and asset tracking software company. Uh, so we're talking to Alexei Panyov, their CEO, Margarita Vlasova, uh, who works on the partnership side of their business. And they're talking to us from Russia, from Mos Moscow. I think it's our first Moscovian interview. Uh, I thought this was really interesting. We go through the usual topics, learn a little bit more about the technology, uh, a few new buzzwords that uh, Alexei explains, but we'll really get into their open source strategy. Uh, this is uh, something that I think many of us in this space have toyed with, uh, and Alexei's really lent into this, and he goes into some of the key benefits uh, and approaches to doing, uh, executing on an open source strategy in the context of indoor positioning and RTLS. So have a listen and enjoy. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot, intelligence for everyday things, powered by IoT Pixels. Well, uh, Alexi, uh, Margarita, welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Welcome, Steve. Yeah, thank you for having us, Steve. Uh, it's, a, it's a great pleasure. Perhaps uh, we can start off and um, uh, you can uh, introduce uh, yourselves briefly and then uh, introduce, uh, tell us what uh, Navigine does. Yeah, okay, so will you start? Oh, okay, of course. Uh, so my name is Marguerite Vlasova and I've been with Navigine for almost uh, like nine months already. And I'm working as a partnership manager. Excellent. Now, my name is Alexi. I'm CEO at Navigen and I'm CEO and CEO and co-founder. I work at Navigen for almost 10 years. And what we are doing at Navigen is we provide software for precise indoor positioning and asset tracking. It's like Google Maps, but when you enter the building. Excellent. Appreciate your very concise uh, elevator uh, pitch. Um, so uh, let's, I, I want to talk about uh, the technology that you use, how it's evolved, um, uh, what the boundaries are between what you do and partners, uh, the use cases, what's hot in terms of driving uh, uh, deals. And, and I'd love to talk about the, the, the ecosystem that you see in any trends. So that's a, a lot to cover. 
So let's just uh, dive in and um, perhaps you can describe kind of the boundaries of what you do and don't do. So you do both indoor navigation and you do uh, asset tracking. Are you generally building the app um, or are you sitting, are you a SDK or a cloud uh, system that's sitting behind other people's apps? Yeah, I will explain. So we started selling our products in 2014, I think, and we started from an SDK. We provide an SDK for iOS and Android devices. Uh, and this SDK uh, allow each and every application uh, to enable features like blue dot positioning, wayfinding, and uh, the experience that we are familiar with, uh, like in Google Maps, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. After that, we understand that uh, asset tracking is also a big market and production facilities, they want to track assets, um, for example, warehouses and large retail stores. And we uh, develop our second product, uh, which allowed to do asset tracking. We are 100% software company. Uh, our core competence is navigation algorithm, precise positioning mm-hmm. uh, based on hardware. And we are hardware agnostic, we call it. We could work with Bluetooth beacons, with Wi-Fi routers, with UVB devices, ultrasonic devices. We combine all these technologies into uh, our platform and our unique state-of-the-art navigation algorithms could provide very, very precise positioning. And this is our competence. And in terms of partners, we love to work with the hardware vendors who develop hardware. Uh, Wi-Fi routers vendors, IoT gateway vendors, beacon vendors, all these are our partners from one side. And from other side, uh, we have a number of companies who use our SDK and product and integrate them into their end client solution. It's like mm-hmm. mobile developers, system integrators, all these guys could partner with us and provide their clients with the best in class position. So I, I want to go back to the technology a bit, but let's kind of describe in a holistic way. So, um, uh, Margarita, perhaps I can turn to you and ask you about the partners that you work with. Uh, if you were to, I don't know if there's such a thing as a typical uh, deployment for Navigene, but um, what are the kinds of partners that you're uh, working with? And if maybe you can name some specific partners that you do a lot of business with. Well, yes, uh, we are currently uh, actually focusing on uh, developing our partnership network. And uh, first of all, as Alexi mentioned already, uh, we are we have a lot of hardware vendors with whom we work uh, to deliver a variety of uh, solutions. And uh, as uh, the uh, software platform, and uh, actually the software itself is uh, hardware agnostic, meaning that uh, we can uh, make different technology technologies uh, together to uh, to enable the most uh, precise um, positioning and also to uh, solve even the hardest uh, requirement and objectives that uh, the end client might have. And uh, the other part that's uh, the other um, part, the second part uh, of uh, the uh, like partnership network that we are building is the um, work with the system integrators, with the mobile developers, with uh, companies that provide IoT uh, related solutions uh, that uh, not only, uh, for example, can um, uh, maybe even uh, 
worked, for example, with uh, uh, different companies before, but and probably know the RTLS uh, market, uh, and uh, we're also looking for uh, for those companies companies that are actually have the uh, demand for the competences that we have. And so who would you describe as some of your top partners? I'm assuming that a lot of your deployments involve putting Bluetooth beacons around to uh, get location cues or, or no, are you, what's, what's a typical deployment look like? Uh, yeah, I will name a few partners. Uh, you started from beacon vendors. Uh, of course, we know uh, all the vendors and we love working with our uh, vendors of beacons uh, who actually were the guests of your podcast. We work with mm -hmm. beacons, we work with contact AO beacons and many, many other vendors. Mm -hmm. And uh, from a software side and big companies, we work with companies like Honeywell, uh, NL devices, Hitachi. They all utilize our solution in their products. So Honeywell, we don't hear their name very much. How are you working with them? So they uh, have a special, they have a division that works with uh, warehouses. And they provide equipment and warehouse management systems. And our indoor positioning system and asset tracking system could be a good fit for such uh, for such product. And you said Hitachi as well? Yeah, Hitachi is uh, like a big vendor of uh, electronics and they were um, interested in our system for offices. Okay. Um, and uh, I noticed uh, Cooper is uh, one of your uh, partners. We've covered them a lot in the show over the, the years. How do you balance what they do versus what you do? Because they do some aspects of indoor location and asset tracking. What's the boundary of responsibilities there? Yeah, so a Cooper solution, uh, it's, it's more for asset tracking, actually. So they have an antennas and beacons, very precise, very stable. It's a very good solution, and we always recommend this solution when our clients want 20 centimeter accuracy. If they want mm -hmm. to break a hockey puck, then the Cooper will be the definitely the primary offer from our side. Uh, in terms of indoor positioning, uh, I think that uh, it's not the like product that is fit this vertical. And mm -hmm. uh, you're right that Cooper they have their own uh, location engine, and it's also very precise. And uh, we have a just a connector just an integration between the Coupa platform and our platform. We take the data coming from Coupa, and then uh, we mm, apply some filters uh, based on topology of the building to make the solution more smooth. But generally, yes, you're right. So we utilize the solutions that Coupa provides. And there's obviously other products out there in the market. How do you differentiate what uh, Navagene does versus uh, some of the other uh, folks that have uh, come on the show? Um, you're right. Uh, we are focusing on this technical part, which is between the business logic and the hardware. So we are doing this layer that connects the hardware and the end business software and user business software. And we think here it's our strong 
and very good competence and very good teams uh, that we have. We have six PhDs who works on the navigation algorithms. Uh, this is our first uh, strong advantage. Uh, the second one is that we try to educate markets. We have a lot of things published on the open source license at our GitHub page. You could check it out. Huh. Uh, and if you just want to start doing something with beacons, uh, you could take our code, buy some beacons, and just do some simple multilateration for your, I don't know, for your diploma work, for example. Uh, that's why I think um, we are on the same way with the developers. Where, so our solution, as we have a very strong developer background, we try to create solutions that will be very that will fit the developer's needs, that will be very easy to use, very easy to integrate into existing application. From one side and from other side, from the business perspective, we try to achieve a good quality with each and every piece of hardware. And at the end, it gives, from the business side, it gives uh, low total cost of ownership of such system. Because, for example, you mentioned Coupa, it's a good system, but sometimes it's very expensive. If you mm -hmm. build a system based on beacons, sometimes the accuracy is not enough. We know how to combine this different approach and create the best solutions that our client needs. So you, you used a buzzword earlier, which I'd love you to explain. Uh, you know, what we try and do for our listeners and our viewers is, is basically educate them as I'm educating myself to kind of survive in this very complicated ecosystem where we all work and that. Uh, so you, you use the word multilateration. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, multilateration. So I will start from a simple uh, three alteration. Yeah, when you have three mm -hmm. beacons, and you know, you know the position of a smart and the one smartphone. This smartphone detects three beacons nearby. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the smartphone understands the RSSI value uh, from the beacons. RSSI is not the distance. It's it's a, it's something that's relative to the distance, but not the distance itself. Uh, so let's assume so this that is, you know, uh, this is received signal strength, strength in the case, strength, right? Yeah. So the more strength you have, the closer to beacon you are. So yeah. let's assume that we know how to recalculate um, RSSI value to distance. So we have three beacons, and we know the distance to each other. Uh, mm -hmm. We know the distance to each and every beacon. And based on that, we, we have a special formula that allows you to calculate the smartphone position. This is called three-alteration. Multi-alteration is when you have multiple beacons. Mm -hmm. It's the simple alg simplest algorithm that you could uh, use to detect the smartphone position based on Bluetooth beacons. That's the starting point for developers. How do you decide how many beacons you're going to put in an environment, assuming you're putting beacons in an environment, to get accurate um, location? Is, how, how do you do that? That's, it's a tricky problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tricky problem. There are some ways how to overcome this problem, how to overcome this challenge. But the rule of thumb is that we recommend to put from 8 to 12 beacons per each 1,000 square meter of space. And that will give you an accuracy three meters, something like this. That's what, we'll, that's mm -hmm. what you will have with a smartphone. 
if you want to achieve uh, higher accuracy, then you could put more beacons. But you should understand that the beacons are not very precise devices. So the accuracy that you could achieve with beacons, it's more or less 1.5, 2 meters. And if you want to reach higher accuracy, then you should select another technology. Not not the Bluetooth beacons. I mean, not Bluetooth beacons. Yeah, you could choose Coupa. You could choose Wi-Fi, RTT standard. They allow you to do less than a meter precision. So tell us a bit about that Wi-Fi standard, RTT, did you say? Yeah, uh, it's a Wi-Fi fine-tuned measurement round trip time. So what does it mean? It does. It means that your smartphone sends signals to router, router sends signals back, and smartphone could detect the time spent for signals traveling back and forth. So mm-hmm. you know the distance between the smartphone and Wi-Fi router mm-hmm. with high precision, less than one meter. It's enough to detect your position using thrill alteration with an accuracy less than one meter. This is quite a modern standard. Three or four years ago, it just appears on the market. Uh, now the standard supports only by top uh, Android smartphones and some routers. Uh, we have such a system here now in office and our test lab. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, standard is not yet supported by iPhones. Uh, but you know that the, uh, last year they released AirTags and uh, technically you could do positioning using AirTags. It, it would be very expensive, but uh, AirTags uh, also allow you to do positioning with less than one meter accuracy. That is what makes this industry so hard. And I think what holds us back is this uh, inconsistency and diversity. Yeah. Uh, you've got to, yeah, you can't rely on everyone having a high-end Android phone. Um, yeah, it's like a fintech, yeah, you know. It's like blockchain, like, I don't know, it's a Bitcoin, Ethereum, yeah, it's one blockchain, but you have a lot of, like, coins and uh, tokens, a lot of fraud, yeah. Like, I don't know. So, yes, sir. Which, uh, which Wi-Fi access points support this round-trip time standard? Uh, for example, uh, uh, access points that delivered to the market by Google, uh, Google, Google Nest, they call it, as far as I understand. Yeah, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Google points that, uh, access points that Google provides, they support this standard. And, of course, Google Nexus, they support this from the smartphone side. Okay. But the, uh, you know, the main vendor, so um, um, Margarita, I noticed that HPE are a partner, and I was wondering why are they a partner? Is that the Aruba um, technology, or is this another part of HP that you're working with? Well, yes, it is Aruba, and that was the project uh, that we did of Aruba in uh, Russia a few years ago. Um, and... Um, yeah, but mostly we are partners uh, with Robo in Russia, but we are currently working on uh, well, um, extending our partnership to towards the Aruba outside of uh, the local market. Oh, okay, so I'm interested. Let's let's move on to the applications and what you're seeing in terms of use cases and the verticals and the ROI and so forth. I, I'm kind of interested in. Uh, are there any trends in terms of the deployments that you see in Russia versus Europe, the rest of Europe, to uh, 
to the United States? Um, uh, or, or is everyone doing the same thing around the world? More or less, yes, but there are some trends, of course. Uh, we see a huge demand of such technologies in US in uh, office spaces and healthcare. Uh, in Europe too, uh, but in Russia we, we, we see here a huge demand for production facilities. Let's say it like this. So it's not maybe number two, number one priority now for us here. Excellent. And um, that deployment that you did with Aruba was that in a production facility or uh, what was? It was a public building. Oh, okay. Very good. So, um, uh, where is the? Where are some of the biggest um, um, nuggets of gold? Where is the money? Where's the money uh, that you are seeing in terms of ROI? Um, I, I'm sure. I think all of us we try and focus, and we know we're supposed to focus, but it's really hard to focus on uh, use cases. But uh, what uh, what is the thing that is actually helping people to make money or save money? You've, you've talked a bit about where the markets where you're getting traction, but what are the use cases that are really helping to justify projects? Yeah, I will start. So maybe I want to emphasize one use case that we now have in retail and logistics. So you know that the delivery is booming now all over the world. Uh, in, we all love when we just click some buttons and we have everything we need under our door. And uh, our solution helps for order pickers in uh, fulfillment centers. They could do, they could collect orders faster. So we know how mm -hmm. to build the shortest route for all the lists that the order picker have. For big and small fulfillment centers, that's first. Uh, we know how to do it in the smartphone, we know how to do it in the smart cards, we know how to position uh, all these devices in uh, warehouses, uh, we know how to manage orders between different people and how to collect the orders faster. This is the use case that we have now and we see that this demand for this use case comes from all over the world now. Um, but it's like and that's interesting. I want to I want to go back to what's number two in your list. But before we move on, um, what is the partner software that you would integrate with in that case? I'm I'm assuming you're not delivering the whole application, or or, or are you? No. So usually this uh, uh, delivering companies they have their own IT infrastructure, and we just provide a set of tools. Uh, we call it fulfillment management kit. Uh, that allow you to create this path for order pickers, uh, manage workforce, uh, split orders, and understand how to manage all the stuff to collect orders faster. Okay, very good. So that, that was the first one on your list, and it sounds great. I can it totally make sense. You can see how people, why people would do that. What, what would you say that? The next uh, kind of hot use case is maybe for healthcare. So 
Yes, I believe that healthcare is also like the second uh, most popular industry right now because the uh, need to uh, first of all track um, uh, track equipment, medical equipment to uh, deliver the uh, the health uh, to the patients is uh, actually a, a very very important uh, thing uh, in the industry. And the second part is the tracking of uh, patients because uh, there are patients that are. are uh, are attend uh, were attended into the hospitals of the gamer disease, and uh, those patients have the tendency to leave their rooms and just go wander around the hospital or leave the grounds, and uh, that is also the use case that is uh, pretty popular right now. And how do you track the patient in that case if you want to make sure that they don't wander off? <laughs> into the middle of the road. <laughs> usually, usually it's a small bracelets, disposable bracelets based on Bluetooth beacons, and you should install antennas. It could be Cook antennas, or it could be more cheap, uh, for example, Minio antennas. They provide a good enough uh, room level accuracy, and you could understand the room where the patient is at the moment, and based on that, you could create some logic and do some alerts for management. And back to the asset tracking in healthcare, what are the key assets that people want to keep track of? I mean, there's lots of issues with hoarding and uh, hoarding of equipment, hoarding of supplies. Is that what you're tracking or are you tracking, you know, beds are, and uh, other things? There are some use cases at healthcare, for example, tracking of expensive equipment, yeah, like, infusion pumps as expensive equipment. You should know where it is located right now to find out the nearest one and to do some inventorization. Uh, the second one is bed tracking. So usually the bed should be clean, like one time per three to four days. I don't know, different mm -hmm. hospitals and countries, different rules. And we, sh we could understand whether the bed is clean or not because it mm -hmm. stayed here for five days long for example. It's another use case. And the third case, which is very popular in the US, it's hand GG. So mm -hmm. you should wash your hands, yeah? And yes. Yeah, uh, we, we could understand how much time you stay near the sanitizer. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've heard that a lot, uh, and it's tremendously important. And uh, I think we, those of us with older relatives, we know how dangerous hospitals are, and hand washing is the key to solving that. And uh, and these, uh, a lot of these doctors are wonderful people, but they sometimes it's difficult to get them to do mundane things like washing their hands. So uh, I think it's really cool that our industry is helping to solve that problem. Um, Okay, very good. Uh, I want to go back to something that you touched on um, uh, early, earlier, Alexei, which is open source. And, uh, you know, I think this idea of having uh, open source parts of your stack is very appealing to people. It's like the fashionable thing to do. But um, I, tell us how you do it, because there's one thing deciding, saying you're going to do it and putting some code on GitHub. And then there's another thing, which is actually having an active community around it. Have you, 
What's your success been like in terms of getting people to use the open source components that you've put on there? Can you tell us the story around that? You know, why did you do it and how did you do it? Yeah, I was inspired by a couple of uh, companies who use the same approach. For example, we uh, maybe you know company Nginx, who is a web uh, um, I don't know, it's not a web browser. It's uh, no, it's a tool. It's like a web server. Yeah, it's a most useful web server, which is primary open source. And two years ago, this company was sold for eight hundred millions. Uh, because everyone uses this open source web server, mm -hmm. and this is a part of the strategy that helps them to be to become a standard for the industry. And as you mentioned, so we have a lot of different approaches, hardware technologies, and things like that. And the part of our marketing st uh, strategy is to become a standard. It's our goal, and we think that this approach with open source could help us to reach this goal. And so what parts of your product have you put into open source and which parts have you not? Uh, we, are, uh, we already open sourced uh, our um, structures, uh, our approach in terms of what we use for positioning, transmitters position, uh, basic structures, classes, and all this stuff. It's a right mindset that you could use to develop your own algorithms. Mm -hmm. Then we published this multilateration algorithm, some other approaches. Uh, and it's actually great because it's inspiring my technical team because all the technical teams, they want to use and they love open source. And when they do some open source, they, they feel good. And it also very help us to improve the quality of our code. Because if you want to do a, a good code, you should work hard. I mean, you could do some code and use it in production, but when you publish it, everyone understands that it's like a bad code. Uh, and it takes a lot of time to do documentation, tests, improve quality of the codes, and it creates the right culture inside the company. So the, all your code you use, even if it's close, it's not published yet, becomes better. And it creates like a significant um, effect for all the code which is not yet published. But we have a plan to publish more and more algorithms in the near future. It's got to be a bit scary, don't you? Kind of, what, what have you seen? Have you seen it cannibalizing any of the revenue? Have you given up any revenue as a result of that strategy? I, I can see the benefits. I, to, to be frank, I'd never even thought about what you described. It's fascinating. But um, are people using it? I mean, you kind of want people to use it. But on the other hand, when they use it, you're like, oh, that could have been my revenue. So, uh... I think that here the tricky part is that uh, the algorithm is good, but you should also have team and competence to solve your end user business task. And if you try to do it yourself, you will spend years. That's mm -hmm. why we share our code to prove that we are experts in this field. And then when a big company comes to us and say, okay, guys, I don't know who you are. You are originally from Russia. Why do you need to work with you? And uh, maybe you are the Putin guys, I don't know, yeah? Uh, we say, okay, guys, you could check our code at GitHub page. Uh, and usually it works. 
Yeah, that's uh, so that's another aspect where it's uh, kind of helping to build trust, I guess. And I mean, back in the early days, I remember negotiating a lot of escrow clauses in agreements. You know, what happens if you disappear as a company? You're not uh, you're not the size of HP. And so I guess there's the that's kind of one part of that, isn't it? Uh, if uh, as a startup, then you may not be around, but uh, the, the codes uh, in open source. So how's it going in terms of other people using that? Or are you just seeing the benefits because it's kind of this, you know, this uh, way of uh, raising the the bar in terms of quality? Uh, are, are, people, are other people starting to use your code? Yeah, so it's interesting. So uh, the, the most interesting part is the feedback that these people provide. They help us to understand uh, where the things that we could we should change because it's like it's not well done, or we we need to add some additional features based on their request. So we have a lot. We create a community, community of developers who who could help us grow our experience, our expertise. It helps us to move faster to understand where the use cases now. For example, we have a lot of incoming requests now for navigation and for visually impaired people. It's not usually the case where you could have a lot of money, but it's very like social, I could say. And of course, we spend some time doing such such cases. And based on the community feedback, we understand and we plan our future roadmap. It, it, roadmap. it really helps us to move forward. Well, that's really cool. Um, I thank you both for talking a bit about uh, the company and uh, and where you're seeing the traction and some of the partners and this open source conversation was fascinating. So um, for those of you listening, then please stick around. The next part of the show, we actually uh, talk to Alexia and Margarita a bit about their uh, backgrounds and uh, the, the Mr. Beacon uh, music questions. Um, very good. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we've got to that point in the show where we talk a bit about you both and. Um, uh, I would love to hear a bit about um, your lives, how you got to where you got to. But first of all, let's start off with the Mr. Beacon tradition of asking you about your three favorite songs. So, um, uh, uh, Margarita, do you want to go first? What are your three well, favorite songs? And okay. more importantly, why? Well, why 
would be a bit more tricky question, but the first song would be I'll go with the Dam Hame and their From Ganga. Uh, the second would be Mini Ripperton for reasons, and the third that say uh, Jimmy Croce and uh, his Time in a Bottle. And well, the last song I just recently found out, and I just fell in love with it. And uh, the first two, I just well, uh, as for the From Ganga, it is just those uh, you know Scandinavian vibes and uh, the idea well, of uh, how it sounds. And uh, well, me representing just she's the best. So you like Scandinavian music? Kind of, yeah. Uh, and do you, um, so I saw on your LinkedIn profile, Germany. So I was expecting you to be uh, dialing in from, from there. Do you spend a lot of time in Germany or is that just uh, an artist? Yeah, we have, uh, we have three offices. Our main R&D office is here in Moscow and we have two rep sales and representative offices. One is in Berlin and one is in Moscow. Okay. And we Very try good. to do our operations from, from Berlin. Okay, so you end up being very uh, cosmopolitan. Okay, uh, well, that's, uh, that's cool. And um, Alexei, what are your songs and why? Yeah, actually, I'm a fan of Pink Floyd and ACDC. So uh, if, you try, if I will try to name the first one, okay, it's maybe uh, Another Brick in the Wall and uh, Shine on Your Crazy Diamond. And the third one is Thunderstock. Thunderstock. Oh. Yeah, so uh, I don't know the real reason why I love the songs, but the, the third one, of course, it's very motivating. And the right. first, the third one, the, the first one is like has a lot of meanings, which is very interesting. And the second one is very romantic. Very cool. Well, there's a really excellent podcast called Rock on Tours, like Rack on Tours, only rock. Um, which is uh, hosted by uh, two guys that, that play in what's left of Pink Floyd. So if you're interested in their history and so forth, check out Rock on Tours. I think you'd like it. So, um, uh, Alexei, I want to ask you a bit about your history. And I'm always fascinated by people's founding stories and how they got to where they got to. I was looking at your uh, LinkedIn profile. It looks like you did a PhD in the very space that uh, Navajin is uh, is working. Um, how did you end up doing that? What what made you decide to be a doctor in uh, in uh, location technologies? Yeah, it's uh, it's a long and at the same time short story. I studied in Moscow State University, Department Mathematics and Mechanics, and I always was a fan of physics. That's why I decided to, to move uh, uh, to mechanics area. And navigation control was very interesting for me when I was young, 18, 20 years. I decided to, to stay here, is to stay in this uh, navigation area. I spent my time doing research in inertial navigation, satellite navigation. And finally, mm -hmm. I received my PhD it was 2012. 2012, and after that, I spent a couple of years uh, doing research at Moscow State University, and then decided to do a spin-off to found a startup uh, with my partner Oleg, uh, mm -hmm. also a PhD in navigation. And we founded Navigin, and uh, since 2013, we started our operations 
in US. And since that time, we are doing indoor positioning and asset tracking. So you've been living uh, at least part-time in New York since 2013? Yeah, uh, uh, the first, first time we moved to New York 2015, uh, we raised our first round of investment from a New York-based fund, Starter Capital, and uh, took part in the acceleration program in New York and then in uh, California. And since that, since that time, we are frequent visitors to us so you're in moscow at the moment um uh, why is is that is it i know that omicron is like rampant in new york in fact i'm just about to tomorrow i'm getting on a plane to go to new york which seems very foolhardy maybe this will be the last ever mr beacon podcast i don't know uh but uh, there's nrf the show so i take it you're not going to nrf uh, this year, is that the case? Yeah, NRF is a great show. Uh, we've been there a couple of times, but not this year, unfortunately. As well, we also very uh, like to visit to CS. And uh, uh, two and three years before we were jointly presented at CS with analog devices, uh, with them we do um, navigation demo for inertial sensors and our algorithms. It was really went well. And yeah, it's a very big show, and it's great that you will come. <laughs> so, but why why are you in Mos Moscow at the moment? Do you spend a lot of time in Russia, or how do you split your time between the uh, states? And it's interesting. Russia? So, uh, last two years, uh, it was very tough to travel between countries due to all these COVID restrictions. Yeah. Uh, as my family live here, I spend here um, a lot of times, and. Uh, uh, that's why I'm uh, now here because of the holidays. I spent my holidays with family. Uh, I have three kids, so all right. I have a lot of like work at home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, How old are your kids? Uh, nine, five, and three. Okay, so I'm, yeah. this totally makes sense why you're in Moscow then. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested in the Russian startup scene. So you. You know, you took this uh, path that uh, other Russians have taken in uh, at Stanford in the Bay Area from uh, academia into uh, entrepreneurship. I'm thinking Google and stuff like that. Um, but you did it over in Russia. What is the startup culture like? Is it easy to to do a startup in Russia? Uh, it depends on what you actually do. Uh, so uh, the real the real challenge and the real issue is that the Russian market is quite small for IT companies. And if you are targeting a really big market, you should be presented in US because all the market is in the US and in, in Europe. That's why we have our offices there. Yeah. And the main issue is to overcome this first challenge, the first border, and to start selling something in US. Yeah, it's, 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 it, it's the biggest goal for for everyone, I think, for most of the startups. I mean, I ended up moving from England, which is where I grew up, to um, uh, to the United States for a number of reasons. I have a lot of family here, and I'm actually American. I was born in San Francisco, but grew up in England. But one of the reasons that I came back was I just felt like England uh, at the time, this is back in the 80s, it wasn't a 
a culture that really encouraged uh, entrepreneurship. It was, uh, we still had like a, a class system. And uh, so, you know, it was, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like uh, America was this kind of land of, <laughs> of great possibilities and so forth. Um, has, has, I mean, you've been doing this for over a decade now. Has Russia changed a bit in terms of its attitude towards uh, entrepreneurship? Or how would you describe I mean, it? Uh, I mean, the cultural changes are usually very slow. So 10 years is nothing for culture. And I agree with you that U.S. courage and U.S. passion of entrepreneurship is the greatest one maybe in the world. Yeah, That's mm -hmm. why uh, we have a lot of successful teams who is now in companies who is now in U.S. and uh, operating from U.S. because of many reasons, money, culture, law, and everything else. And in Russia, uh, I see that the number of entrepreneurs, it's quite small. It's growing, I think, it's growing. And uh, during the last two years, I think, uh, oh, if you will start your business in Russia, you will have more possibilities because of COVID, because it now actually don't care where you sit. All the communication you have goes through Zoom. You could call from Germany, you could call from UK, you could call from China. It doesn't matter. More or less. Yeah, it's it, the uh, borders that we have two years ago, uh, we are working on B2B market. And usually our deals require to travel to client, talk face to face, do some meetings. And only after that, you sign a contract. Now it's more or less easier because you could just do a lot of Zoom calls and finally do a, a, a contract. Uh, it's, it's one side of the coin. Another side that you are now compete with all the world because everyone mm -hmm. has the same opportunities. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's one of those weird effects of this pandemic that uh, we never even considered when we start, first started wearing the masks and uh, all that sort of stuff. And I, I know so many people that have left the Bay Area and have uh, decided they're going to work in Hawaii or they've come down to San Diego because uh, uh, location doesn't matter nearly as much as it did two years ago. Time, time zone is matter, yeah, but location is not. That is true. And then some people are just crazy enough to ignore the time zones. And uh, like my colleagues in Israel, you wouldn't know that they're in, uh, you know, nine hours uh, time difference. It's amazing. Well, very good. Uh, good to chat with you both. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting. Thanks for inviting, Steve. Well, that wraps up a, another week's uh, Mr. Beacon episode, if you have been. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Willio, our sponsor. And uh, a few words on Willio. We have gone through a milestone recently. We've announced our first ever starter kit up until now. Willio was shipping only to a very few, very large companies and uh, projects that, uh, that cost uh, 50, 100,000 uh, more. Um, but now you can get Williot Technology uh, and try it out for $500. Uh, get a kit, get uh, a coffee cup that can uh, tell you what the temperature of the coffee is and how full it is. Get some sample uh, tags, uh, different kinds of tags, and also get a couple of uh, different uh, bridge devices. 
So if you've heard me talking about Williot, you've been intrigued, you uh, want to try it out, head over to williot.com to uh, start a minus kit uh, or just click on the button on the homepage and get your starter kit. So that's our commercial. I think it's the first one we've done like that. Um, I um, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Please like us, rate us, tell your friends, and we look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks' time. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.